And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Sydney Green Street stars in the adventures of Nero Wolf from 1951. But first, it's TV Jeopardy. Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular TV shows. I'll try to name the shows while you play along at home, right, Lisa? That's right. We're going to talk about uh, TV theme songs. Okay. And I know that you are familiar with all of these television shows. All right. Whether or not you get them from the clip is another story. Yeah. But By here the goes. way, I had a nap. Did you have a nap today? I did. Today? Two Good. hours, Carl. So, two hours? Like a baby. <laughs> I know. I slept about an hour. Okay. So I think we'll make it all five hours. I think we'll be fine. All right. Here's your first clip. Okay. Oh, that's easy. I know. Ta-da-ba-da. What do I watch every Saturday night before I come to the radio station? Yeah, this station? show. Yep. I got to tell you, this has, you know, like, of course I love The Honeymooners, and I love Seinfeld, and I love all these different shows, but this is becoming my favorite show. You've been hanging around me way this too long. Is this is it for me. Curb your enthusiasm. It, it sure is. I'm still in season four. I'm rewatching everything again. This is Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was broadcast on HBO since 2000, created by... Larry David. Larry David, and of course he stars as a semi-fictionalized version of himself. You know, if I had, uh, if I had my wish and I could have lunch with anybody in the world, he would be the guy I'd like to have lunch with. I would not allow you to go without me. No, no, I, I'm I going not, by myself. No, I'm sorry. If I'm I am ever I will invited. I am going to now, show up. Now, I have up. had lunch with Jeff Garland. You know that. Yes, and, and I, I have, have met him as well. Yeah, and I've had lunch with, and I know a lot of the people on the show. Yes. But I've never met something. Larry David. Well, my bucket list is to be on the show, not oh, just meet okay. him. But I'm <laughs> shooting for the stars here. <laughs> you really here. are shooting for the stars. <laughs> Why have, not? I just want to have lunch with Larry David. No, I want to be working right. with him. Okay, right. here's the And I would pick up, by the way. You would pick up what? The lunch. <laughs> okay, thank <All> right. you. <laughs> Here's the next clip. Oh, man. I know, it's tough. So familiar. I know, I know, this is very tough. Can you picture what's happening during this music at all? Do you see anything? This is tough. I no totally words. know this. I just. There's just movement, no words here. They're showing um, everybody. Is it uh, the opening of the show? Um, I can't. Just 
Give a wild guess. All right, I'll just say, uh, I'll just say, um, I don't know. The series Bob aired. Newhart? No, that's yeah. a good guess because I know you, you weren't, uh, that wasn't one of your shows. This was aired from 84 to 92 on NBC. This is the Cosby show. Opening. Oh, the Cosby show. They're all Cosby sort of dancing show. together. The Cosby yeah, show. of course. Star wow. Cosby. Yeah. 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 I mean, I used to watch that show yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I tell you, he broke my heart, man. <laughs> yeah, I broke things, my heart. Things I'm changed sorry. since then. I used to love, love, love. I him. did too. What are we you going to do? We all did. He was, he was Dr. Huxley. Broke a lot of people's hearts. Yep, yep, yep. Ah, all right, moving all right. on. Yeah. Something a little happier. Here we go. <laughs> right? Now, this is happy. Well, this is uh, one of the greatest. Yep. I, used to lo- I used to tell my mom, Mom, I don't feel good. I'm going to stay home from school today. And watch. why? Um, I don't feel good. And then I would have bewitched on. Bewitched. Yeah. I I literally just wanted to be her. Why I did they have these shows on during her. the day? When you, right? Yeah, it was yeah, on during the day was. where you couldn't watch it. Maybe Be- you weren't the audience. I mean, maybe it was our parents. You know, here's the thing. Time. Maybe when Bewitched was on originally, yes. maybe it was on during the... Evening. I don't know. But I remember as a kid I do watching too. I Dream of Jeannie and yep, Bewitched be when I, I would agree. stay home from school, which would be often. It was. <laughs> I'm sure it was. was. Mom, and I don't feel good. I just... Yeah. And that's why you got the highest grade in your class. That is Bewitched on from 64 to 72. Here's the next clip. Huh? Oh, that's the Wonder Years. The Wonder Years. The original Wonder, Wonder Years. Years on ABC from 88 to 93, starring... Uh, Fred Savage. Fred Savage. Yeah. It's a great show. Great it was a remake, show. but I've never watched it. You never watched the show? The remake. Oh, oh no. No, me neither. Okay, here's your next one. Next one. That's, Classic. That's great. That's the odd couple. Odd couple, right? Yeah. From 70 to 75 on ABC, starring. Uh, that was uh, starring. Um, nah, 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 nah. I know. I know you do. Um. <laughs> Well, I was thinking I was going to say Walter Matthau, but that's in the movie. That's so on TV. It was yep. Jack Klugman. That's right, as Oscar. And um, oh, and who was Felix? Felix. Felix Unger. Yeah, I can see his face. Yeah, that's camp. Tony Randall. Tony Randall. Yeah. yeah, and of course, it's based on the play The Odd Couple. Last. All right, last, last one. Mm-hmm. This is um, Hill Street Blues. No. It's not Hill Street Blues? No, I played this because you oh, mentioned it. Oh, I know. It. Taxi? Yes, because taxi. you mentioned it last Did week when it, it was wrong. No? No, no, of course not. Taxi. Yeah, what taxi. a show. It won 18 Emmy Awards. 18 Emmys? 18 John oh, Hirsch, Tony Danza, Danny DeVito, the list goes on and All on. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, it's the adventures of Nero Wolf, so stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. 
You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. So a lot of people out there don't realize that your great uncle was a detective, Nero right. Wolf, right? That's right. He had an E at the end of his uh, wolf yeah, name, that though. wasn't quite right, but so we, that, we got it together. Did you lop that off at Ellis Island? We or? Lop, lopped it off. You lopped it mm-hmm. off? Yeah, Lisa's great-grand-uncle, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nero Wolf. yeah, he was a gargantuan gourmet detective. He pretty much never left his uh, elegant brownstone home in uh, in new york and he would send his assistant out archie goodwin who would do the legwork and he would uh, kind of solve the crime from his easy chair really not a bad gig no yeah not a bad gig at all um we have a broadcast for you now called the case of the hasty will starring sydney Greenstreet in the new adventures of nero wolf <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell brings you mystery, adventure. Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. Yes, who's calling? Mr. John Blake? Well, is this a matter of business? That's fine, Mr. Blake, I'll just call him. Archie, I'm not here. Tell him I'm up in the plant room with the orchids. Uh, I was going to call him to the phone, but he's up in the plant room with his orchids. Uh, What sort of a case is this, sir? Really? Really, is that so? Is it a man or a woman? Oh, I understand perfectly. It's a man. Well, at least that's something different. Yes, sir. Very urgent. I understand. And I assure you, Mr. Wolf will be here waiting for you. The fee? Oh, uh, shall we say about, uh, oh, a thousand? I will not see any kind until after dinner. Fritz is having mountain quail on toast. Yes, Mr. Blake. Come at once. What were you saying, boss? Confound you, Archie. Nothing but business. All the time. What's the problem? I don't know. And at $1,000, considering our bank balance, I'll help him poison his great-grandmother. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that renowned genius who is the bulkiest, bulkiest, most ponderous, and most brilliant detective in the world. Yes, none other than that chair-borne mass of unpredictable intellect, Nero Wolf, Created by Rex Stout and brought to you in a new series of adventures over this NBC network in the person of Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. we chose to refer to as the case of the hasty will began, of course, with an urgent phone call from the mysterious John Blake. At the moment, Nero Wolfe was seated in his chair, which was specially built for his 300 pounds, and I was giving him a lecture on the importance of money. Archie, that will do. I'm not interested. You will be when you learn you can make no more purchases of beer and Skittles. You've passed up two cinch cases now. Each would have meant a healthy fee. Let us hope this Mr. Blake has a nice, fat problem that will take us days to solve. Archie! Yes, sir? Answer the door. Good evening. I'm John Blake. Oh, yes, yes. Come in, Mr. Blake. You have no idea how welcome you are. Archie, show Mr. Blake in and close the door. That draft is unbearable. Uh, This way, sir. 
Mr. Wolf doesn't care for anything resembling air. Oh, I'm Archie Goodwin. Hey, good evening, Mr. Blake. Mr. Wolf, uh, I have a little business for you. Now, uh, before you say anything, I know you're not a lawyer. I'm not a member of the bar, let us say, Mr. Blake. Of course. What kind of business, Mr. Blake? I have here a short will, which uh, I have typewritten myself. I, I haven't signed it yet. Uh, also, I have here a sealed envelope containing a letter which I want you to be prepared to deliver to the addressee. A will and a letter. Very well. Yes. Uh, do you know who I am? Seems that I've certainly seen you before. Same here. I just can't place you. Well, I'm John Blake, president of the Plymouth Building and Loan. Oh, of course. I've seen your picture many times. You have a staff of the best attorneys in the city, Mr. Blake, and this is most assuredly the business of attorney. Perhaps. But in this particular instance, I wanted an individual who had no interest in me, uh, nor uh, previous knowledge of my affairs. I see. Also, I wanted the person who was, well, uh, shall we say, not too well fixed. Well, you certainly could Archie. Have... Imagine Mr. Wolf being in need of money. Just why can't your attorneys handle this? You'll know in a moment. But when I leave here, I want you to forget the whole thing uh, for the time being. Indeed. You have said it. Here's the will. You may read it. Archie. January 25, 1951. To my daughter, Anita Blake, I do hereby bequeath all my property, personal and real, including the portrait painting of her mother, my dear deceased wife, Marcia Blake. This will supersedes any and all instruments previously drawn. So, simple enough, isn't it? That's all. Now the pen, please, and I'll sign it. Now then, you sign as witness, Mr. Goodwin. You retain the will, Mr. Wolf, and the envelope here, which is addressed to Hillary Brake, my brother, who is now living in this city. Your brother? He's just recently returned from 25 years in Australia. Though Hillary has written me several times, I have not favored him. We've, uh, we've been estranged these many years over, uh, well, a certain unpleasant situation which this enclosed letter will clear up. Are you in fear of your life, Mr. Blake? Murder? No, Mr. Wolf. There was a time, yes, but, uh, well, not now. You will know what to do with the will and the letter, though, when the time arrives. Now, uh, as to your fee, you said uh, a thousand? Well, we usually receive... A thousand uh, will do. Well, here's a check, all made out. If you're thinking of suicide, Mr. Blake, we must warn you. If you don't care to go through with this, please say so. I'm not planning on suicide, I assure you. We have taken the job, Mr. Blake. And good evening, gentlemen, and uh, thank you for your kind indulgence. Well, that's the simplest little thousand we ever made. I believe, Mr. Goodwin, you're going to be quite surprised. I want you to get acquainted with John Blake's secretary. You have more than earned this thousand, young man. Archie! Archie, is that you? Yes, boss. What time is it? It is 6 p.m. The clock is right in front of your eyes. I'm thinking, Archie, it's very interesting. Very. An entire day has passed since the visit from John Blake. Did you learn anything from Blake's secretary? I did. He left his office late yesterday, she said. His daughter Anita is quite upset because he didn't come home. Check his club? Yup. I didn't talk to the daughter, but I learned that she's engaged to a young fellow named Wilbur Martin. She told the secretary that her father had been acting strangely of late, a bit morose. And what does the daughter feel has happened? Anita's afraid he's been kidnapped. You haven't met nor talked to any other than the secretary? Not yet. 
So far, no one's called the police. Good. We must, for the time being, prevent that. What did you learn of Blake's brother from Australia? He's been here only a year. They've met only once or twice since his return. The secretary thinks the breakup was because of their love for the same woman. Hillary became very wealthy in Australia. Very well, Archie. It is time for you to visit Miss Anita Blake at her home. I'd love to, boss. She's a mighty purty gal. Fooey. Archie, you can do me a great service. Anything. Be sure to close it tightly as you leave. Close what? The coal chute, of course. I'm awfully glad you could come, Uncle Hillary. Wilbur seemed to think you might know something about Father's disappearance. No, I don't know, Wilbur. Uh, I'm just as nonplussed as you are. When did you see your brother last? Oh, it's been four or five months. Why? Oh, I just wanted to know. What do you two think has become of him? Surely you know his recent actions better than I. Well, at first I thought he'd been kidnapped. Now I'm afraid it's suicide. Oh, I say, really now. Have you been putting such ideas into our head, young man? On the other hand, could have been murder. Indeed. Well, I suggest that the police be called. Hospitals, the morgue, every place. Have you thought of doing that, young man? I was going to. Oh, really? Then what are you stalling about? I'll just step into the library and do it myself. Oh, it can't be, Wilbur. It just can't be. Miss Blake, there's a Mr. Goodwin to see your father. Oh, I'll see him. Thank you, Miss Blake. I'm Archie Goodwin. This is my fiancé, Mr. Wilbur Martin. Mr. Martin? How do you do? What is it you want, Mr. Goodwin? Is your father here, Miss Blake? Why, no. No, he isn't. What is your business, Mr. Goodwin? Why do you want to see Mr. Blake? As a matter of fact, I don't really want to see Mr. Blake because I don't think he's here. I came to see Miss Blake. Just who are you? I'm a detective. Police? Private investigator with Nero Wolf. John Blake has disappeared. I know you're trying to keep it out of the press because you think he's been kidnapped. We have called the police. What do you think has happened to my father? I think he's dead. Oh, dear. Why do you think that? Yes. Just what do you know, Mr. Goodwin? Oh, Anita, I want to ask you a few questions. I think it's advisable Mr. Blake. To... Yes? I, I thought you were done for. That is... I don't think I... Uh... This chap is a detective. I'm sorry about this, Mr. Blake, but curiosity got the better of me. I hope I haven't wrecked things. What are you talking about? You remember the agreement. What agreement? Mr. Goodwin, do you know who you're talking to? Why, yes, John Blake. Oh, no, Mr. Goodwin. This is my uncle Hillary, my father's brother. Hillary? Hillary Blake? Yes, my father's twin brother. John and Hillary were twins? Of course. Well, that's news to me. I didn't know that. What did you know about him? Well, now that I look at him, now that I can recall his speech, there is a difference. And now, why do you think John Blake is dead? I've just come from police headquarters. You mean he's been murdered? No. From all indications, he's committed suicide. Suicide? Oh, Are you sure? Poor father. Oh, I was afraid of this. This morning, a hat and an overcoat were found on the East River docks near Pier 9. In the coat was a typewritten copy of a will made yesterday. The hat bears the initials J.B. There was a will? Yes. Could you identify the hat and coat, Miss Blake? Well, yes, of course. Very well. Come in, Sergeant. This is Sergeant Hamlin. Miss Blake, do you recognize this coat and hat? Yes. Oh, yes, I do. They, they were fathers. I... Oh, Wilbur. Suicide? 
I can't understand it. But the hat and coat are not conclusive evidence. What about the will found in the pockets? Show them the will, Sergeant. Read it, miss. You, you read it, Wilbur? Hmm. To my daughter, Anita Blake, I do hereby bequeath all my property, personal and real, including the portrait painting of her mother, my dear deceased wife, Marsha Blake. This will supersedes any and all instruments previously drawn. But no signature. I have the original. Here you are. Where did you get this? Notice the signature of the witness? Archie Goodwin. You witnessed his signature? In Nero Wolfe's office. But Mr. Blake had his own attorneys. Nevertheless, he came to Mr. Wolfe to take care of the will. If we hadn't recognized him from his photos in the papers, I wouldn't have witnessed the signature. Anita, is this your father's handwriting? Yes. Yes, it's his, all right. But this still isn't proof that he's dead, nor that he committed suicide. No corpus delecti. And the body may not be found for days. But this evidence we have here certainly indicates that a body will be found eventually. Maybe not, Mr. Goodwin. It's possible they could have... What were you going to say? Nothing. Miss Blake, in a way, I blame myself for your father's death. How do you mean? I had a sort of premonition. It's obvious now why he came to Nero Wolf. Is it? He wanted someone who didn't know him personally. His own attorneys would have been able to see through his plan and prevent his carrying it out. But he made a will... Why did he draw this new one? Yes, that's what I don't understand. Well, I still am not convinced that he committed suicide. Mr. Blake, here is a letter he asked to be delivered to you. Oh, well, now. Perhaps it will shed some light on the problem. What does it say, Uncle? Uh, <clears throat> Jove. It says, uh... Hmm. Hillary, for 25 years now, jealousy and bitterness have kept us apart. I know why you stayed in Australia all these years. I know you loved Marcia... She was rightfully yours. But I loved her, too. And I couldn't go on without her. I know you've despised us both. And I've uh, pretended to despise you. I had to pretend. Because I lied to Marcia. I told her you were engaged to marry a woman in Sydney. Marcia was innocent. I was to blame. Uh, when Marcia died last year and you wrote that you were coming back, I knew then that your resentment had faded. But I didn't answer you... And I've kept away from you because I couldn't face you. I've told you all this because things have happened, which you will learn soon enough, that have decided me to close my book and write Finney. I uh, have made a new will, leaving everything I possess to Anita. Anita is young, Hillary, and I beg you to watch after her as though she were your own, which, but for my selfishness, she might well have been. Forgive me, Hillary. Mm, well, this... Uh, this certainly indicates suicide. But what does he mean by things have happened? That, Miss Blake, is the motive for which we'll just have to wait. Yes, for that and the body. Full orchestra on this. Uh, this is a big series. This was a, I mean, they had Sidney Greenstreet, an right. Academy Award winner, starring in this radio series. And he was perfect for Nero Wolf, you know. For this uh, kind of orchid fancier, gargantuan gourmet, he he was a big guy. You know, Sidney Greenstreet was a big was a big guy. His voice sounded like he was a big guy. It did. You could hear it. It was like Archie. Oh, his voice. Archie oh, Goodwin. You know. <laughs> um, but uh, great show. It's called the Case of the Hasty Will, and uh, I think he was really the best Nero Wolf on radio. There were some others. Francis X Bushman played him for a while. Harry Bartell as Archie Goodwin on this. We'll get back to this 1951 broadcast in just a moment.
If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Before we get back to the adventures of Nero Wolf starring... Sydney Green Street. You know, I had a really nice conversation, I think it was like two days ago, with a, uh, a person that signed up to the club and uh, had a couple of questions. So sent me an email. I called her back and we had a nice had a nice chat. And she was she was so kind. She said, you know, this is so great. For only $9.99 a month, because she signed up for the digital program, $9.99 a month. I, she joined the club, and she was just saying how, you know, you send all this stuff. She gets, She's getting the 10 shows directly from the master recordings every single month for this $9.99 a month. You get 10 half-hour classic radio shows direct from the master recordings. You get a historical booklet that uh, and a PDF that you can click and read all about the shows, and Carl Shadow and I both write that. There's photos of the stars. Then every week, every Monday, you get the full show, the full Hollywood 360 show. So this program that we're doing right now live, by Monday, all of the club members get this sent to them, the full five-hour program, via email, along with, because at the end of the five-hour Hollywood 360, we we uh, attach the Radio Rarities podcast um, that Lisa and I co-host, that Carl Shadow writes and Mike produces, you get that every Monday. So that so in total, you get 34 classic radio shows a month for only $9.99. And when you think about it, you know, um, there are costs. We have costs, you know, the, the bandwidth to send it. We have, obviously, people that, that uh, send it to you. There's, uh, on the credit card, you know, there's fees. It's very little money to send all that. And, the sh- and that just goes directly to produce the show. So we do really thank you for joining the club. Your nine ninety nine a month in the club goes to put this show on the air. It's a very, very helpful. We really appreciate it. We have a lot of members, and we thank you for that. But we think, you know what? We give people a lot for that nine ninety nine, And that's it's a win-win that way. You know, it's not a lot of money a month, and we send you a lot of stuff, and you'll never miss a moment of our show, Hollywood 360. They never miss your smiley voice, Lisa. Or yours, or your smiley voice, <laughs> or Carl. Mike Bubble Bath Costello, who every once in a while chimes in. It's Sometimes nice, it's nice to hear Mike chiming in here. Hello, every once in a while. Um, you, he is. He's all the way down the hall. He's I know. Not, 
He used to be He's right been there, there for quite a while. I, I don't see him uh, heading back this way anytime soon. I Carl. shower before the show, Mike. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, you know, and I use deodorant and everything. Do you though? So, <laughs> <laughs> so why are you way down there? But getting back to the club, um, I can't thank you enough. You know it, that nine ninety nine a month is uh, very important to the program. Helps us uh, keep the show going. And then if you want to join the CD program, obviously it's a little bit more, but we send you the 10 shows on five CDs in a collector case with a booklet, 12-page booklet. So to learn all about joining the Classic Radio Club and supporting Hollywood 360, just go to ClassicRadioClub.com, ClassicRadioClub.com. It's all there. Or you can call and talk to a live operator. It's not a robot. It's not AI. It is not, uh, you know, it's it's not a recording. Call and speak to someone. Ask them questions about the club. They'll be happy to answer it. Now, if you do call and do get a message, just leave your name and your telephone number, and someone will get back to you and sign you up to the club or at least answer your questions. And, yes, you can cancel at any time. You're not roped into a long-term uh, any kind of subscription. It's nine ninety nine a month for the digital and obviously a little bit more for the CDs. So uh, that number is 815-900-7535. 815-900-7535. All right, Lisa, we're listening to your great Grand uncle? Yes. Is that what Nero it is? Wolf. Yes. Great grand uncle, Nero Wolf. Yep. I'm yep. almost famous. You are almost famous. <laughs> that was a movie, too. Remember that movie, <laughs> yes, Almost <I> Famous? <laughs> uh, yeah, Rex Stout actually created this character. And it first hit radio in 1943 with J.B. Williams as the overweight detective. Then Santos Ortega. Then Louis Van Ruten. Then Francis X. Bushman. So there's quite a few people, but you know what? In 1950, Sidney Greenstreet was hired to play Nero Wolf, and we're listening to actually to a 1951 broadcast, and he was just he was the best, the best of the of the Nero Wolves. This is called the Case of the Hasty Will. Let's get back to it right now. Well, boss, up here in the conservatory a bit early, aren't you? How are the orchids? Oh, it's a nice sunny morning. Even though it is around zero outside, the sun is fine for them. And behold, Archie. Huh? What is it? The dendrobium's chlorostel. The bird. Be- yes, indeed. What about it? Showing two buds. Most encouraging. Indeed, indeed so. Boss, I can't take the steam heat here. Tell me, this painting of Marcia Blake, is it large? It hangs over the Blake mantle, about three by four feet. I find it most intriguing that John Blake should mention the painting in so short a will. And Hillary, does he seem to offer any suggestion on this problem? He has very little to say. Wilbur has definite ideas, and he's in there pitching all the time. He has a rather unpleasant way about him, though. You have talked with Inspector Kramer? I have. And asked Miss Anita and Hillary to meet you at the morgue to look at the body? Right. And I left Wilbur out of this gathering. This body is practically unidentifiable, huh? In Kramer's opinion, it is. After you're finished down there, I'd like to have a chat with this Wilbur Martin. Okay, but you'll get nothing out of him. I've tried. Archie, you're becoming so conceited. Soon I fear I'll have to uh, fire you. If it were summer, I would forthwith resign. 
Run along and close that coal chute behind you. Morning, Inspector Kramer. Up early. Yeah, Goodwin. I'd just love to come down to this morgue. This is Miss Anita Blake and her uncle Hillary Blake. How do you do? do? Good morning, Mr. Goodwin. I hope you don't object too much to my joining the proceedings. Oh, I know, Wilbur. I suppose it's all right. Please, Mr. Goodwin. What's happened? There's a body here. Rather badly bruised and cut and in a bad condition, but I think you should look at it. Oh, I... I'm sorry, Miss Blake, but I'm afraid it's necessary. Well, very well. I'll be all right. I'd like to come along. Oh, yes, Wilbur, you must. Well, come on. This way. Miss Blake. Now get hold of yourself, Anita. Please, you must. Yes. Yes, that's Father. And you, Mr. Blake? It's certainly hard to say. It looks as though it might be John. Was there no means of identification on the body? No jewelry or... Father never wore any jewelry. There was nothing but this suit here. Nothing in the pockets. Yes. That's Father's suit, all right. I know. Oh, why? Why did he do it? Come along now. That's all for today. <laughs> Mr. Wolf, this is Mr. Wilbur Martin. Ah, yes. How do you do, Mr. Martin? Sit down. Thank you, sir. No, no, no. Take the red leather chair. That's right. So glad you could come. Archie, uh, be of us. Uh, tell me, Mr. Martin, you saw the body? I did. Whether it was John Blake or not, I'm not sure. But Anita feels positive enough. You are skeptical about the suicide theory, huh? Well, yes, I am. Are you trying to cast suspicion on someone else? No. He thinks he was murdered. I do. But not by you, of course. Certainly not. (laughs) But who would know that John came here, signed the will, and gave us the letter to his brother? He must have contemplated suicide, don't you think? Are you positive it was John Blake who signed the will? Hmm, how interesting. You think it was his brother Hillary who came here, posing as John, huh? It could have been. But the man was quite gray and had no Australian accent. Hillary could have dropped the accent for a short while and grayed his hair, and they were twins. So enlightening, Mr. Martin. Do go on. After he left you here, he could have killed John and thrown him in the river. And left his overcoat and hat on the wharf. And why would Hillary kill John? Well, I... Well, there may have been several reasons. Maybe because of Marsha. Well, uh, several reasons. Tell me, did John Blake object to your engagement to Anita? No, why should he? I don't know. (laughs) I merely asked. Anita Blake identified her father's handwriting. She identified the body. You still believe it's murder? Maybe she only thought it was his handwriting. You had best be careful, Wilbur. In trying to make a murder out of this, you might place yourself in a most unhappy position. I checked the letter and the will with papers at John's office, and the handwriting is identical, in my opinion. Maybe Hillary is clever at forgery. Maybe. Did you have the experts check the writing? Not yet. Then how can you tell unless you had a bona fide sample of Hillary's writing? Hmm... I take it that you found a sample of Hillary's writing? Some letters from Hillary to John? Yes. I found a package of them. In John's desk at his home. That, Wilbur, is most encouraging. Here they are. Several of them tied together. Some written in 1928 and a couple in 1948. 
Now, we'll tell you something. We never thought John committed suicide either. You... You didn't? No. And before you go, Wilbur, write your name here on this pad. Very well. Thank you so much. I hope we shall see you tomorrow. Well, I'm surprised, Inspector Kramer, to see you out in such inclement weather. I like the cold spells. Sit in the red leather chair. Thanks. Good. Have your experts finished checking the will and the letter? Yep. But not all through with a package of Hillary's old letters that Wilbur found. What's the verdict? If this is forgery, it's the cleverest bit of forgery we've ever come across. My men say the will and the letter you received appear identical with the specimens from John's office. Indeed. The will and the letter then do seem to have been written by John Blake. Yes. But on the other hand, and this is unusual, by comparing this letter from John with a letter Hillary wrote from Australia in 1948, we found characteristics in both men's letters which were definitely similar. Then, Inspector, you feel that Hillary might have written the letter and signed the will. That it was Hillary who came to my office? It's a tough thing to prove, but I think that's being on the right track. Inspector, what about the rest of the package of letters I got from Wilbur Martin? They're still working on those down at headquarters. Uh, What about young Wilbur? So far, can't see much in him to worry about, but it's a bit early. Archie, phone out to the Blake Mansion and tell Wilbur Martin that we've uncovered the whole thing. And if Wilbur's in on it, he'll be gone before you get there. We can pick him up later. Okay. I'll let you know about the rest of Hillary's letters. Good. We won't phone out there until you're finished. And I'll call you as soon as possible. Archie, I want you to look into the affairs of the Plymouth Building and Loan Company. See what you can learn about the actual uh, stability of the company. Okay. Boss, please put on your muffler and overcoat and open a window. A candle couldn't burn in this place. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on my way. Amita, Amita. What is it, Wilbur? What's happened? I came out as soon as I heard. Well, what's happened? Speak up, man. You haven't heard? You don't know? No, what? Look, look at these headlines. Plymouth Building and Loan Crashes. Wilbur, what does this mean? It means your father embezzled the funds of the company and he has gone to the wall. What? Yes, close the doors. Oh, no, Wilbur, no. I can't believe such a I'm thing. I'm sorry, Anita, but there it is in black and white. Then... This is the motive for John's suicide. Why? Why? Because he, well, he knew he was caught. What else? He could have put the money back, couldn't he? Yes, but maybe he lost it by trying to make more to come up the shortage. I don't think he lost it. You don't? No. Oh, nonsense. He must have. Else why would he kill himself? Maybe he didn't kill himself. Oh, this is awful. Oh, please, please, Anita, you mustn't worry. I know this is very embarrassing for you, but it isn't your fault. Now... Let me take you away for a while. We can run down to Mexico until this blows over. You won't take her to Mexico. You won't take her any place. Just what do you mean? What's wrong with you, Wilbur? You're acting stupid. Your father may have fleeced the company, but I don't believe he lost the money. Wilbur. He hid the money, and your uncle Hillary found the hiding place, and he set up the suicide to cover your father's murder. Hillary killed him. Oh, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. Why, this doesn't make sense. I have all the money I need. Yes, you have now. Pack your things, Anita. I'll phone the airport for reservations. You can't leave at a time like this. You won't leave this room. Do you know what can be done to you for threatening people with firearms? I'll call the police. You don't need to call the police. I've just talked to that detective, Mr. Goodwin. He's on his way here. The police have uncovered everything. I know you killed John, and you have the money. Wilbur, you're out of your mind. I know what I'm talking about. Get out of here. Get out. I won't leave. No one will leave till Goodwin comes. 
Reggie, come in, Miss Blake. Mr. Blake, Mr. Martin, glad you were all able to accept my invitation. You too, Inspector Kramer. Yeah, I know how glad you are I could be here, Wolf. Please be seated, folks. Hillary was going to Mexico on the next plane and taking Anita with him. Mexico? John Blake stole the money from the company, but Hillary found out about it and killed him. Mr. Wolf, this is utter nonsense. Mr. Blake, Inspector Kramer's handwriting experts have examined the will and the letter left with me. They've also checked them with your recent letters from Australia. Indeed. And your letters from Australia show a definite resemblance, having the same characteristics as the letter and the will you give me. You, you mean you think that I signed the will and wrote the letter? Definitely. Ridiculous. But there's something else. The will mentions a painting of Marcia Blake, Anita's mother. Archie, where is that painting? Did you bring it? It's here. Uh, bring it in here, Sergeant. Just a moment. I hope you don't mind, Miss Blake. What are you doing to it? Tearing off the paper backing of the picture. Yes, and there you are. There's the reason for the whole thing. Bonds. Pasted in the back. Thousands of dollars in negotiable bonds. Then Hillary did know about the money. He killed John for all this. He had Anita order the picture to be credited for shipping. I did no such thing. Nevertheless, you didn't kill John Blake. Certainly he did. Look at these two letters from Hillary Blake to John here in America. What are the dates? September and November 1948. Those were supposedly Hillary's most recent letters to John. And look at these letters, June and July 1928. Notice any difference? All are signed by Hillary, but the ones dated 1928 are not at all like the ones written in 1948. Not the least similarity. The ones dated 1928 were written by Hillary. But those dated 1948 were written by John. By John? How do you mean? Carry on, Inspector. You're under arrest, Mr. Blake. Not for murder, because there's been no murder. You're under arrest on a charge of embezzlement. Embezzlement? Oh, but how and can you... And you, Miss Blake, are under arrest as an accomplice. What? I don't understand. Mr. Wolf. Wilbur, you yourself unearthed the old 1928 letters, really written by Hillary from Australia. The recent letters are not in the same handwriting. They were poorly forged by John in 1948. Furthermore, we checked with Australia and learned that Hillary Blake died in Sydney ten years ago. And this man here is really John Blake posing as Hillary to escape the penalty for looting the company. Anita, it just doesn't seem possible. Anita knew all about it, and they might have gotten away with it if they hadn't come to us, Archie. What a fantastic plan. I'm giving you back your thousand dollars, Mr. Blake, but I'm afraid it won't do either of you much good now. Thank you so much, Inspector Kramer, for dropping in. Well, boss, that was a clever bit of deduction. You really think so, Archie? It was quite a blunder for so clever a man as John Blake. Why did he make the mistake of coming to us? There are many holes in the plans of the criminal mind. He must have forgotten about the 1928 letters or he would have destroyed them. And he underestimated Wilbur's intelligence. And I thought he was a dope, too. But he was half right. He really slipped up on the body in the morgue. Inspector Kramer was most kind to cooperate with us in that little act. Anita was too eager to identify the first body she saw. And the painting. You sensed there was more importance attached to it than the fact that it was a work of art. True. Some beer, please, Archie. Coming up, boss? Now, that brings me to an unpleasant subject. What's that? You were talking about resigning. Are you still in that frame of mind? Resigning? When did I say anything like that? Then you're going to be content with conditions as they are? Why, of course. What are you saying? 
And you don't mind it a bit as long as this dreadful weather continues? Well, not at all. I don't mind what? Going in and out of the house through the coal chute. <laughs> you have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story by John Edison was based on the characters created by Rex Stout and produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In tonight's cast were Harry Bartell as Archie Goodwin and Victor Rodman, Louise Arthur, Hal Gerard, and Bill Johnstone. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you The Case of the Disappearing Diamonds. Don Stanley speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. You know, it's interesting, this guy, Don Stanley, at the end of the broadcast, you can tell he was taking his time, right? He was, like, putting, like, lots of pauses in between. And heard in the cast were Harry Bartell. <laughs> no, maybe not quite that slowly. Victor but... <laughs> Rodman. <laughs> Look, they have a clock the same way so, we do. So, folks, these were live broadcasts, and... They were looking at the director, and the director was looking at a big, giant clock on the wall. And we have that, too, but yeah. ours is digital. It is. Right? We have a digital. <laughs> we don't know. Carl doesn't know how to tell time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, and so they, would, and they would give them this, like, stretch. They would be, like, stretch, use their, you know. And it was all about the, the announcer. He had to hit that thing on the money right at the top of the hour well, or the bottom of the hour. Tell them what you do to me when we don't have a lot of time. I just go... I he's like, he's going, come on, come yeah, on, Yeah, but come you on, can't see, I'm, I'm like making a circle with my pen. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Um, but that's what it was like back then. It's still like that it's now, still Lisa. today, I know. All right, that was the new adventures of Nero Wolf. What was your recollection of uh, your great uncle, uh, Nero? He was very wealthy and he left a lot of his money to me, which is how I afford <laughs> some of my wealth today. So, I wish I had a rich uncle. Yeah, I bet. I Great actually uncle. have many rich uncles. <laughs> I know you <laughs> He's do. He's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the case of the hasty will. Uh, did he leave you anything in the will? Un- that hasty will? Unfortunately his? not. Uh, no, none of them ever have. <laughs> March 2nd, 1951 broadcast. That's the New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Time for this month in music history. All right, we're going back to 1980. Here's a great one. Another one bites the dust. Yes. Bye. Um, we usually know the singer and not the title. You're backwards. Come on. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? I don't know who sings this it. This was the number one hit in 1980. Who sings it? You're going to know. You're going to kick yourself when I tell you. Who is it? Queen. Oh, yeah, Queen. Oh, yeah. Another one bites the dust. Not quite like that, but close. All right. Thanks, Lisa Wolf. <laughs> More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, it's The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley from 1951. But first, we need a caller to play Beat the Host, right, Lisa? That's right. It's all about Mila Kunis. She was born August 14th of 1983. We are looking for caller number 13 to play the game. It's all true or false. Sure, if you'd like to beat the host. Um, that would make me ever I mean, so happy. People, most people do beat the host. Yeah, I'm counting on it. Give us a call, Mila Kunis. Eight, uh, what's our number? 312-642-5600. Caller number 13. 312-642-5600. Call and play. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform. 